you know, you hear the term mom group. And first of all, one is like everyone just audibly groans. It's like, oh, (laughs) what is this? That's Helena Andrews Dyer, a culture writer with The Post. And I think for me as a Black mother, I the image that comes up in your head is white women taking over the local cafe mm-hmm. or going to baby yoga in their yoga pants, right? It's just <laughs> like all of these images and stereotypes pop into your head and you immediately think as a Black woman, a woman of color, oh, that's not for me. But in some ways, it was for Helena. She wrote a whole book about mom groups. It came out this week and it's called The Mamas, What I Learned About Kids, Class, and Race from Moms Not Like Me. The Mamas refers to the motherhood parenting Facebook group of our neighborhood. There are hundreds of people in it. The fact that I was the only Black woman in the group made the barrier of entry that much more thick. When I was first entered into this world, there weren't a lot of Black women in my neighborhood. Then all of a sudden, people started moving in. Literally, we'd pass each other on the street and be like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> another black mom, another black woman with the stroller, black woman with the baby. We have to be buds. Um, I hope you actually pointed at them like you're doing right now. <laughs> Just like, you, no, you need to be my friend. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, August 26th. Today, a conversation with Helena Andrews Dyer about her new book. We'll talk about her personal experience of what it's like to confront race and class as a Black mom in an increasingly white, gentrified neighborhood, and how she managed to find community by being her most authentic self. I decided to write the book because I had not seen a story about motherhood that looked like me. I am a middle-class, Black, professional woman living in a rapidly gentrified neighborhood in Washington, D.C., with two little girls and a husband, but those stories don't get told. And so I had to tell it. What I find really interesting about this book as a book about motherhood is that I would say that it's relatively light on details or storytelling about your relationship with your two daughters or or what it is like to actually be a mother to them, as much as it is about your relationship with everyone else around you once you become a mother and once you become a Black mother and once you become a Black mother who has a certain level of education and kind of social and professional standing and how all of those factors kind of change the relationships that you have with people around you. Absolutely. It's a new identity, right? what you look like, the body you show up in, people react to you in certain ways. And you have to get used to that because you did not have that title nine months ago. And suddenly, you know, your world can shift drastically. And it's the most ordinary thing, motherhood, right? But it is the most extraordinary thing that we're constantly trying to find sort of like meaning in it. And I think for me, the crux of the book at its core is about authenticity and identity and belonging and who we are and who are our people. And that's what I was trying to sort of like get at. So no, it's not. I remember when I first started working on it, people were like, oh, yeah, I need tips. I'm like, I'm not providing you with any childhood (laughs) tips. You don't want them from me. You know, that's not what this is about. It's really a story about identity and specifically identity when you are placed in a physical space a gentrifying neighborhood 
where the people around you don't look like you. So one of the lenses through which you explore that is mom groups, like these groups of moms that maybe didn't know each other before they became moms, then find each other. As a person of a certain age living in D.C. with lots of friends who are starting to have children, I feel like I hear about these groups. Like all of a sudden a person has a baby and then they have this all new group of friends of people I'd never heard of before that are like (laughs) their people. So talk to me a little bit more about these mom groups, who they are, what they are, and how you kind of found your way into that world. It is a world in and of itself, a universe in and of itself. In the book, I call it like a Polly Pocket world, right? (laughs) It's like something you had no clue was going on until you have like now gained membership. Now, there are moms groups specifically built for women of color and Black women. One of them, Mocha Moms, was founded in PG County. I went to a couple of those meetings, but see how I'm set up? You know, I just need literally like... I need to know that if I leave my house within five minutes, I can be with someone else in like 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. These groups are are really built off physical proximity. Exactly. Who is a person who is having a baby in the next four weeks like I am within half a mile of me? Yes. And that's literally as specific as they can get. So in my D.C. neighborhood, very hot, gentrifying neighborhood, and it comes with all of the things that those two terms come with. There is a larger Facebook group, like hundreds of people that's like centered around the neighborhood. And then even within those, you'll find like new moms of fall babies. You know, it's literally <laughs> someone who lives two blocks from you who had a baby three days after you did. Right? And now they are your friend. <laughs> yes. And now they're your friend. Five weeks ago, you may not have known each other. Right. You may have passed each other on the street and didn't say a word. But suddenly this is going to be your ride or die. Most likely for the next, like, five months if you have the privilege of that long of maternity leave. It's like when you go to college your freshman year and all of a sudden you're all on the same floor together. You're like, oh, hello, you know? And it's that weird, awkward dance. The book is about that, too. Like, making friends as a grown-up is very hard. Mm -hmm. I swear I'm cool. You know, I swear I have friends. But then all of a sudden you enter this new space. And I was just so, like, awkward and strange at first. That's just in general. It is so funny. One of my closest friends, we've been friends for five years now, and I saw her walking on her dog, and she had a baby wrap on, of course, and like a five-week-old. And I was just, hello, do you live in the neighborhood? And she was like, I do. And I was like, do you know about all the Facebook things? And she was like, oh, I'm not on Facebook. I was like, girl, no, I'm going to send you, give me your email address. But it's funny to hear you describing how you're evangelizing to other women about like, oh, you got to get on the Facebook group. Because you describe in the book how initially off-putting these groups seem to you? I think it's fair to say that you're, like, pretty derisive of them, but then being obsessed with what they talk about on Facebook and obsessed with, like, figuring out where they're going when you see them marching around the neighborhood. There's an excerpt of the book that I would like you to read that I think describes some of this, of, of what it was like for you being on the outside looking in to one of these groups. So this comes early in the book when I'm, well, my first maternity leave. And so this is just about sort of like that wishy-washiness and that all of the internal conflicts that I was going through at the time. The Facebook group was right there. The women lived within walking distance. All I had to do was actually go to one of the outings the new mom's thread kept going on about. They were meeting in the park, at the beer garden, the coffee shop, the movie theater. I just had to show up and declare myself one of them. 
why was that so hard? Well, there were a lot of reasons. My insecurities, both real and imagined for 1,000. Motherhood so often gets sugar-coated through a white lens. They've got June Cleaver, Donna Stone, Murphy Brown, hell, even Daenerys Targaryen. We've got Claire Huxtable. Oh, and Michelle Obama. Perfect and perfect. Such a range. Switch over to the nightly news and the spectrum gets stretched to include welfare queens and baby mamas. I wasn't just afraid to go. My feet were reluctant participants, weighed down by stereotypes no one admits out loud, but that play on a mental loop all the same. And as the only Black girl in the group, I had to be twice as good at something we all suck at. Say more about that last part, that being the only Black girl in the group, you had to be twice as good at being a mom than everyone else in this group that that you were part of. Right. And this is like the pressure and the anxiety. Like, no one was saying that to me, obviously, right? But this is some of the pressure and anxiety I think we place on ourselves as quote-unquote successful, upwardly mobile, professional Black folks. It's like the work twice as hard, you know, always doing more is this thing we have like playing on a loop in our head. And as a mom, now I'm thinking, okay, it's not even me. Like, I know I'm successful. You know, I know I'm doing the right things, but like, they don't know me and they don't know my kid. And so I'm going to make sure that their entree to me (laughs) is going to be like the best thing possible, right? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to show up. We're going to be, you know, (laughs) dressed (laughs) to a certain degree. We're going to look a certain way. It's the same thing where I like wear my wedding ring when I would go to like baby appointments, you know, like Mm -hmm. the stuff that, again, no one is saying it, but subconsciously you're doing these things. And because you have in your head that or you're imagining that people are looking at you and wondering if you're a stereotype of a single black mom Mm -hmm. and like wanting to make it clear that you're married. And like, what does it even say that you want to make it clear to people that you're married because it's fine to also be a single mom? Exactly. I am the only child of a hippie lesbian woman like I I know it's fine, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, yeah. I am still a victim of this ridiculousness, right? So I think for me, all of that sort of gets heightened when you're a new mom, especially because you're so freaked out. You have no idea what you're doing. No one knows what they're doing, right? And you think everyone is judging you because you are it, like, You're it. What your baby is doing. Has your baby rolled over yet? No, my baby hasn't rolled over yet. Is she clapping? Like, what are you not doing? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm watching Handmaid's Tale all day. Like, I should be at the baby yoga. Then my kid will be crawling. You know, (laughs) you think about those types of things and you don't want to do anything that would leave your baby behind. Mm -hmm. Right. And that has to do with this thing sociologists call intensive mothering. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just like plugging in and pouring in exposure for kids that literally is starting at seven weeks old, right? It's like, oh no, if that kid is doing the baby music class and my daughter isn't, will she someday not play the piano? You know, it's so ridiculous. And you know, on the outside looking in, like that's not necessary. But when you're in it and everyone else is doing it, it's very easy to subscribe to all of that, right? And that's what was happening, especially because I was one of the few Black mothers, one of the few mothers of color 
It's like in the book, I call this one chapter, it's called Secret White Meetings. It's like (laughs) you don't want anything going on that you don't want them to have like some cheat code that Mm -hmm. you don't know about and that you've just said like, oh, well, that's not for me. So I'm not going to be involved in it because now this is in regards to your kid, too. And you kind of talk about how there is a different model for motherhood that comes from what it is to be a child of a black mom, of, Mm -hmm. of moms who both care deeply, but also express that care in a different way. That that tradition of black motherhood looks different yeah. from overbearing white moms. But at the same time that, like, black moms can also be overbearing and yes. overanxious and worried night and day about their kid and wanting their kid to figure out a way to keep up or get ahead and that black women don't get credit for also being helicopter parents. Exactly. Exactly. Because the stereotype of it is that it's it's something that just white women do as and that black women and black parents are somehow like not involved, which is so wildly not the case. If you would see some of the email chains and the text chains I've had with my black mom friends just about what ballet class we want to send the girls to so that eventually they can be like pre-professional and go to <laughs> studio. You know what I mean? Like literally, like we are getting so granular in these things Because we know when we stop paying attention, what happens, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think when it comes to the tradition of Black motherhood, which is so rich, it's been vilified and negated and stolen and denied and all of these things. So, like, when we choose it, we go freaking ham. Like, Mm -hmm. that is (laughs) – yes, of course we do, right? My mother went ham. Like, she's a single mom, and she didn't have all the resources that I have, but – I promise you, if there was something that she could be at, she was there. She was building sets for, you know, The Crucible when I performed it in ninth grade, when she had the time. You know, she was there when she needed to be there. But it is assumed that we somehow aren't involved and that what our kids do isn't constantly on our minds, too. And it is. And it's a lot of overdue attention has been paid to the mental labor that mothers do and invisible labor Black women are doing twice as much of that, yeah. right? And we don't talk about it. We talk about it amongst ourselves, but we don't talk about it in the context of this mainstream conversation, right? Like I use the example in the book as I just used, like, you know, I want my daughters to do ballet because I was a dancer. I want to be a dance mom. But when it came to looking for what type of ballet class I was going to put my daughters in, the teacher had to be Black. Not only black, she needed to be like brown skin, dark skin, mm-hmm. and there needed to be other black girls in that class, right? So that is extra research that you were yes. doing to make sure that not only is your kid yes. in ballet, but in a very specific type of ballet class. Exactly. And black and brown moms are doing this constantly. After the break, Helena breaks down some of her own uncomfortable revelations about class and mothering. We'll be right back. So, Helena, in your book, The Mamas, um, there is this class element to it that I found really interesting. You wrote about a black child in your neighborhood named Major and about your interactions with him that made you confront some tough questions about yourself. So tell me a little bit about those interactions and what you took away from them. So I talk about class a lot in the book and specifically class, how it is experienced 
by Black people of different classes. Interesting, there's a whole chapter in the book specifically about our neighborhood because it gentrified so rapidly that there's still, you know, Miss Irene, who's lived in her house since her husband was able to buy it on his GI Bill, Mm. and two doors down is the million-dollar flip. And then a block away is public housing. And we all meet on the playground. What happened specifically in the book with this young boy major is that my husband and I are there with our daughter and my mom. And this little boy major, he was to our eyes from the public housing across the street. And he was t- he was terrorizing this other little girl, basically. Like, she had a bike. He wanted it. And it wasn't just, like, regular kid terrorizing. It was definitely, he was, like, bullying her. Hmm. And we were witnessing this, and my husband is trying to help and trying to sort of, like, step in. And the little girl's dad is is trying to help. He doesn't know what to do. And the dad turns to my husband. And to be clear, this is a white dad. Yes, this, this is a white dad and his white daughter and a little black boy. And... The dad turns to my husband and he says, like, oh, hey, you know, can I get your information? And we're both kind of, like, looking like, no. Uh, and, he, and he says, yeah, because, you know, there's all these programs in the city where, you know, kids can get free bikes. If he needs a bike, you guys can go do this. And we're looking at him like, this isn't our kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I said that out loud. And I'm just like, this isn't our kid. He looks at us and sees us, sees my husband in his slacks and buttoned down because I think we came from brunch. You know, my mom came from church. So she has on like her like nice pants. Our daughter is eating puffs out of like a owl bowl or something. It's like he's finally looking at us and then he sees like, oh, these folks aren't together. He was clearly like embarrassed and then he just like left, right? <laughs> and it was just like, okay, so now we have to sit with that. And When that happened, I just kept thinking to myself, like, oh, like, how could he not see? And then I was also thinking to myself, because I think this is what good memoir does. Like, it makes the writer uncomfortable in the things that they're revealing about themselves. I'm thinking to myself, like, well, I don't want to separate myself from this little boy. Like, yes, I'm going to step in for this little boy. Of course I am. Always. Yes, he's ours. I think what a lot of people will relate to about this book is that, yes, it's about motherhood. It's about mom's groups. But I think it's also just about making friends and making friends across some kind of divide. And, you you know, you talked about how it's difficult to make friends as an adult, especially once you get past your 20s. Um, And I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially now after the pandemic. Like, how do you find new friends? How do you maintain friendships? How do you put your heart out there and say, like, look, I'm looking for a community and I want to be part of something, even if I'm not the same as everyone else in this community. What do you feel like you learned about yourself through that process of putting yourself out there? And also, what is your advice to other people who are looking for some kind of group, whether it be a mom group or any other type of like social family? I think the biggest barrier for me was this idea that hanging out with these girls would somehow like negate my authentic self, hmm. whatever that was, right? Because I had my quote-unquote real friends. And I say quote-unquote just because they distinguish themselves from, you know, what one of my friends will call the Karen Moms group chat, right? <laughs> because they're just like, who are these people? And, and so th- it's this idea that like, oh, if you hang out with them, that you're like, something is wrong with you, basically. Like, why would you ever want to? And I like internalize that in a lot of ways for a myriad of reasons. And 
a big part of it was just like this idea to me about authenticity. And I quote the great Michelle Obama <laughs> in the book because I'm, I'm, I met her once. I met her. She did not meet me. And she gave me this advice. It was about marriage, but literally it's about relationships. And it's like always be your authentic self. Bring your authentic self. And it seems like very Michelle Obama. Doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? And when she's saying this to you and looking you in the eye and like holding You're your like, hand, girl. Yes, ma'am, I will. Yes. And I feel like what I really learned from them was, you know, a deeper lesson about authenticity and that it isn't something that's like going to slip through my fingers. Like mm. I do have it. I can hold on to it and be in different environments and still be authentically Helena. And so my advice for, you know, moms, parents, people moving to a new anything, through a new anything, starting a new job is trying to define who you are first. Who are you, right? And then people will gravitate towards you who you attract in that way. You know what I mean? And that's why in this larger group of hundreds of women, there's a dozen, right, who I'm still friends with. Once I got over this identity of mother that I thought I had to be and was just being the mother that I just was, these are the women who gravitated towards that. Helena Andrews-Dyer, thank you so much. Thank you. Helena Andrews-Dyer is a culture writer for The Post. Her new book is out now, and it's called The Mamas, What I Learned About Kids, Class, and Race from Moms Not Like Me. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Jordan Marie Smith and edited by Lexi Diao. It was mixed by Sean Carter. And just a heads up, next week we are switching things up. On Monday, we will have an update from our investigative podcast, Broken Doors, about no-knock warrants and their use in the criminal justice system. We're going to talk about some significant new developments since that series came out. Then we'll air episodes from Broken Doors in our feed the rest of the week. Post Reports will be back with regular programming after Labor Day. Our executive producer is Maggie Penman. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Ted Muldoon is our senior producer. Our editor is Lexi Diao. Our producers are Eliza Dennis, Sharla Freeland, Ariel Plotnick, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, and Rennie Svernovsky. Sabi Robinson and Emma Talkoff are assistant producers. Sean Carter is our engineer. Our intern is Natalie Bettendorf, and the post-director of audio is Renita Jablonski. And we have a new producer on our team who started this week, Alana Gordon. Alana, we are so excited to have you, and welcome to our team. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.